here so I don't have this whole half of the sanctuary blocked from, from view. This morning is uh, the first Sunday in Lent, and uh, the Lenten season is a time for us to kind of reflect on the world around us and, and reflect on our own lives. Often when we come to church on Sundays, we are celebrating what Jesus has done for us as a result of the cross and of the resurrection. But Lent is kind of a time for us to slow down and kind of look at the world around us and even to confess some of the things that are happening around us. And so over this Lenten season, um, we are going to spend 40 days in confession. Uh, Lent is 40 days, not including Sundays. That started with Ash Wednesday this past week. So over these 40 days, we will be looking at injustice, unbelief, violence, greed, lust, and pride. Things that we all struggle with individually, but also our culture, our society struggles with these in some very big ways as well. Uh, so these are some of the ways our world is broken and fallen that we will be talking about. I want to do some explaining to you this morning of uh, some of the ways that we will be able to respond. Lent is not just about confession, but hopefully we are able to respond and live differently as a result of that confession and a as a result of, in 40 days uh, on Resurrection Sunday, celebrating Jesus conquering that sin and that death. In your bulletin, uh, if you grabbed a bulletin, you have a couple of inserts, but one of those is a black strip of paper. You're going to want to hold on to that for a little bit later. Um, towards the end of the service, you will have an opportunity to write on this black piece of paper. Uh, I'll ask you to, for a couple of questions, things that we will confess together. It's okay if you can't read it on the black paper. No one's going to be pulling it out and trying to match up handwriting, whatever you write on there is between you and God. We're not going to be matching sins up with people later, okay? Uh, at the end of the service, then, you'll have an opportunity. If you're coming out this way, um, we're going to be using our cross here. Uh, the easiest way for this to happen is once you've written on your paper, you will fold it in half, and uh, you can stick it in the mesh here. Just kind of fold and stick it in there. Um, if you're headed out that way, there is a basket back there. You can drop them in the basket, and we'll add them to the cross up here. We will be using this throughout Lent to be confessing and collecting the blackness, the darkness of our sin. And it will become more and more evident as we go through Lent just how fallen this place is and how sinful we are as individuals and as people. But that's not the whole story of Easter. That's the 40 days leading up. We also have a number of events that we will be responding to throughout this Lenten season as well. We'll have Palm Sunday, and on Palm Sunday in the evening we have love feast and communion. And so you can come and be a part of that in the evening as we gather together as brothers and sisters to remember that we are servants of Jesus and we are also servants of one another. And we remember Jesus' body and blood broken and poured out for each of us. Then we'll have an opportunity to come and meet on 
Good Friday. And we will have this cross there. And by Good Friday, it will be dark and black, covered in sin, covered in all the things that we have confessed during this season. And we'll have an opportunity to uh, remove that sin during that Good Friday service. And on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'll invite you all to bring a flower. I think you've done this before. Uh, Bring a flower and put that in this cross on Resurrection Sunday. It's a symbol that that blackness, that darkness, that sin is, is done away with and we can live in new life that Jesus is about bringing new life here. Those are some ways for us to be responding to Lent uh, during this season. As we come to our sermon this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you speak through me or despite me this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. One of the central attributes of of God is justice. God is a lot of different things. God is loving and God is peaceful. God is holy and all kinds of other attributes that we could give to God. But God is also just. And you and I are created in the image of God. And so as part of that, as what it means to be an image bearer of God, we all have this sense of justice within us. Even people who are not following Jesus seem to have a sense of right and and wrong and fair and unfair. Now in our brokenness, that sense of justice, that sense of fairness is often broken or distorted. We often decide for ourselves. It's a self-centered understanding of fairness. And so I decide what's fair based on my experiences, based on how I view the world, but we all have this kind of innate sense of justice, of fairness. Often in our world that has been distorted, and often we have left justice up to uh, governments to try and figure out. We leave it up to government authorities and Uh, They try and do the best. They're supposed to be administers of justice. That's what Romans 13 talks about. But earthly government, even at its best, is really just making the most of a bad situation. The fact that not everyone is in relationship with Jesus, and they're trying to maintain some sense of justice and fairness and trying to protect the vulnerable. But often in our world, we, sen- we settle for uh, retributive justice. That means people getting what they deserve, making sure things are fair, rather than a sense of restorative justice, restoring people to right relationship. See, at the core of biblical justice, it's about relationship. We talk about being justified or being righteous, and that's based on our relationship with God. Real justice means that we are working at right relationship between us and and other people as well. 
So at the core of biblical justice is right relationship. This morning, uh, David read from Isaiah. There's lots of places that we could go in Scripture to look at what God has to say about justice. But this is a particularly big theme in the book of Isaiah. And so we started this morning the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, uh, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. I read that this week, and maybe you heard that this week, and you thought, I thought we were done with those guys. We finished our series on Chronicles. I'm done with talking about those guys. Well, I'm sorry, they're back. Isaiah is explaining why things have gone so wrong in Judah. And if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 1, verses 12 to 15 says this, When you come to appear before me, who asks this from your hand? Trample my courts no more, bringing offerings as futile, incense is an abomination to me, new moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They've become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And you think, wait a minute. Didn't we just spend like a month and a half, two months, talking about how central worship was to the people of God, how important this was. But what Isaiah is critiquing is people going through the motions, showing up to the temple, making their prayers, making their sacrifices, because that's what they think they're supposed to do out of a sense of duty or, or just trying to hedge their bet with God or something like that. But they aren't living it out. See, worship is coming and being transformed into the image of the one we worship. Coming and, and coming before Jesus and being transformed into the likeness of Christ and then going and living it. Worship is supposed to transform our lives so that we go out in mission and live it out. And what Isaiah is saying is that you, you aren't living it out. You're just showing up and you're, you're praying and you're sacrificing things, but you're not going and caring for people. Your relationships with others, with, with the marginalized, with the oppressed, is very, very broken. So what they're doing is really not worship. They're just going through the motions. One of the fears I have as a pastor is that I preach and teach and do love feasts and communion and, and baptisms and baby dedications and funerals and all the the things that we do in church. But my fear is that I do that for 30 years in ministry for, for a long time and the community might look the same as the day I came. 
can do all the stuff on Sunday mornings. But does it change our lives? Do we go and live differently? Do we seek to restore those relationships with others who are broken and marginalized and oppressed? There will always be injustice in our world. Until Jesus comes, until the fullness of the kingdom of God is is made manifest in this place, there will always be injustice. Jesus said, you will always have the poor with you. And that wasn't to say, what use is it? What good can you do? That, that's not what Jesus was saying. You can always be at work making a difference in people's lives. Helen Keller said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something I can do. We can all make a difference in someone's life. We are called to act in faithfulness, living out our faith and seeking the things that God seeks. In our scripture this morning from Luke, that's Luke chapter 18. So if you want to flip in your Bibles uh, or your your app or however you're reading God's word, um, Luke chapter 18. There's a widow who is pleading with the judge for justice. She's pleading for things to be made right. She has lost her means of support. She is probably viewed as a burden on her family. She may have been taken advantage of in any number of ways. And she keeps coming to this judge, pleading with him for justice, hoping that he might do something and intervene in her situation. But the judge just keeps ignoring her. She's hoping, or he's hoping, that that maybe she'll just go away. She'll get tired of complaining. She'll get tired of coming day in and day out, and she'll just give up, and I can go on with life. Because he doesn't really care about God, and he doesn't really care about this woman. He just wants to be left alone. Some have understood this parable as just being about persistent in prayer. And there is something about being persistent in prayer here. But I want you to understand what she's being persistent in prayer for. She's not just praying for any old thing. She's not praying day in and day out for a a new car or a a, a new job or, or just, she's praying and seeking justice. She knows that God is just, that God cares about her situation and her plight. And so she's praying in line with what she knows God cares about. She's praying for justice. I wonder how many times I'm like that judge, though. Where I see need, where I see someone crying out, And I just ignore it. And I walk by and and I just hope that they go away. Or maybe they'll go find someone else. They'll go bug someone else. Or this situation. Well, I'm just really not connected to this issue of justice. And so I'll let someone else handle that. I'll let someone else 
take care of that situation? How many times do we ignore the cries for justice from those that are oppressed and marginalized? But even this judge with no regard for God or people gives in to the woman. And Jesus says, will God not grant justice? In verse 8 it says, I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will God find faith? That word here in Greek is pistis, faith, pistis. And it carries with it the meaning of faithfulness or fidelity or allegiance. It means living it out. It's not just about believing the right thing. It's about enacting it, living it out. See, often we're like the Old Testament people that Isaiah is talking about, coming and, and going through the motions, but not living it out. Will God find his church living faithfully? Injustice is a big word. It's a word that we kind of throw a whole lot of stuff under. There's all kinds of injustice in our world. And so when I say the word injustice, what comes to your mind in in our world? Shout it out. We're asking for response. Racism. Unfairness. Political activism, bigotry, repressive regimes. We've got lots of that around in our world. Human trafficking. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple weeks. All of these things are injustice in our world. But we can do something. We can become aware of systemic injustice around us, of ways that this injustice pervades our society, our economy, our politics. And we can confess our role in the systems that cause injustice. We can pray. Sometimes we think prayer is, is not, that, not that big of a deal. Well, the last thing, that, you know, it's kind of our last hope. We can pray. We can, we can pray. I mean, that's what the woman is doing with the, the judge. She's coming and asking and pleading day in and day out for something to happen. Jesus is saying, come and plead, pray, bring those petitions before God, and he will act. He will hear the cries of his children. We can also support different organizations, the, the Food Bank in Hershey, Love, Inc., BHA. Uh, in your bulletins, you have a little flyer for one great hour of sharing in which we contribute to some of the work that the denomination is doing in uh, disaster relief and uh, helping different ways fight injustice. These are all things that we can be a part of, but that doesn't absolve uh, you from your need to become aware and act in the world around you. All right, you've got your black strip of paper. I want you to take that out. 
I want to give you just a few moments. I have some extras. If you need one. Two questions. And they're in your uh, sermon notes. Towards the bottom. The first thing is, what injustice in the world, those things that we, those big things that we named, or others that come to mind, what injustice in our world grieves you? Just rips your heart to think about kids starving, uh, lack of access to water, uh, lack of education. Because it also grieves God that these things are happening in our world. And the second thing I want you to, uh, to write down, think about, what injustice in our community or that you pass at work or wherever you are throughout the, the week, what injustice do you tend to just Ignore. Last summer, there was uh, a man, it was often posted down on Park Drive. And I don't know how many times over the summer I passed it. On my way to a meeting at church, or I had been in the office or visiting with people all day, and I'm trying to get home to my family, and, and I think, Somebody else is going to stop and help him. And, and I don't really have any cash on me anyway. I, I don't have a bottle of water. So I ignore it. I think that grieves God too. God, you are righteous, you are holy, you are loving, and you are just. And you hear the cries of the oppressed, you hear the woman who has been battered and bruised, you hear the cries of those dying of malnourishment, you hear the longing of those struggling to make ends meet because they don't receive a living wage. You hear our neighbors quiet, hidden, poor in Hershey. God, if we're honest, we've heard their cries too. And God, I confess to you that I have tried to ignore the widow, the orphan, the homeless man down by the park. But their cries rise to you and they burn in my ear. Forgive me, Jesus. I can't do everything. I can't solve every problem. I can't respond to every cry, but you can, Lord, and I can do something. Forgive us, Lord, when we have turned our back on those crying for justice.
close our service this morning, I invite you to rise in body or spirit and turn in your blue hymnal to number 369, Lord whose love in humble service.